Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths behind salvation. Grace refers to the unmerited favor of God on sinful man to be saved in the name and the person of Jesus Christ's Son. Grace is knowing that you deserve judgment in hell. You understand grace? <laughs> I don't have to waver in my salvation. I don't have to doubt if I'm forgiven. Praise for the grace extended by the Son, which no one can boast about. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Probably one of the most traumatic situations for a young child entering school for the first time is the issue of acceptance, and that's a fear that can follow you throughout life. Well, today, as Pastor Xavier continues his series from the book of Ephesians, he reminds us of God's unconditional acceptance of all His children. The message is entitled, In Awe of God. Let me read our text. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. The three things that Paul praises God the Father for regarding spiritual blessings are these. First, Paul praises God the Father as the source of the blessing, verse 3. Secondly, Paul praises God the Father in His choice for the blessing, verse 4. And then he finishes up by praising God the Father in His chief end of the blessing, verse 5 and 6. So let's begin with the first one. Verse 3, Paul praises God the Father as the source of the blessing. Mark that well. The Trinity is involved in the salvation of man. Notice that. In verses 3 through 6, the Father is involved in salvation. Verses 7 through 12, the Son is involved in salvation. Verses 13 and 14, the Spirit is involved in salvation. The Father is God, Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. He lays it out. Each one ending with what? Praise to the glory of God alone for the salvation of man. Every one of those sections ends and finishes with praise to the glory of God in view of what? The salvation of man, the blessings of man. Notice, secondly, the Father is honored by Paul for blessing the believer. The measure of God's blessing is declared to be with every blessing. There is no blessing that God has withheld from a believer. The means of the blessing, notice, are declared to be spiritual in the heavenly. The quality of the blessing is ascribed by the word spiritual, pneumaticos, which refers to that which is dominated or controlled by, in this case, spiritual. Notice the main origin of these blessings is said to be in the heavenly. Now, Paul is saying that God the Father should be well spoken of because of the blessing he has blessed us with. And then he goes, boom, 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 like a machine gun. Chosen us, adopted us, accepted us, redeemed us, forgiven us, revealed his mystery of godliness, abounded towards us with all wisdom and prudence, given us an inheritance, sealed us with the Holy Spirit, and you can go on and on and on. He is just overwhelmed. Notice the mandatory qualification to have access to these spiritual blessings is in Christ. Don't miss that. It's a phrase that you're going to hear over and over and over again. The phrase is a key 
phrase and is synonymous with many others. Let me give you some of them. In him, in whom, in himself, in Christ, in the heavenly. The believer has much to bless and praise God for. And so Paul praises God the Father as the source of all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly. Then secondly, Paul praises God the Father in his choice for blessing. Verse 4, notice first, God chose us in him. In whose him? Here it is again, Jesus Christ. The word choose means to choose out for one's own interest. It's in the middle voice in the Greek. The choice of God was based, notice, in him. Jesus Christ, this is the repeated phrase over and over and over. You cannot get away from it if you're going to read Ephesians. Notice, secondly, God chose us before the foundation of the world. The choosing of an individual was before they had ever been born. The choosing of an individual was before they had committed any sins. The choosing of an individual was before the world was ever created back in Genesis. Notice thirdly, God chose us with purpose in mind. Understand that. God chose me and you to be holy before him. The word holy, as you know, means to be set apart. To be set apart from sin and to be set apart for sanctification. Devoted to him. The setting apart to be holy is done by God. Please note that. In the act of salvation by Christ's righteousness, as it is imputed to us, it's like you going to the bank and someone, as I said earlier, drops a million dollars in your account. And you go down and they say, by the way, uh, um, do you know you have a million-dollar balance? You go, million-dollar balance? You better check my account number. <laughs> you didn't work for it. You don't know where it came from. Well, that's the same thing in salvation. God has taken his righteousness of Christ and imputed it to you. He's accounted it to your ledger. Notice God chose you and me to also be blameless before him. Not only holy, but blameless. And the word blameless means free from blemish, faultless, without rebuke. The word is used in the Septuagint in Exodus 29, 37, and 38 for the sacrifice of an animal without defect. Notice the choosing of God is an individual who is forgiven of all their sins in the past to be justified before God, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Just like if you never had sinned. I don't understand that. I remember my sins. You remember your sins? I remember them, but I don't focus on them. He doesn't see them. He says he casts them behind his back. He buries them in the deepest ocean, puts a sign there, no fishing, and he casts them as far as east of the west. A new creature, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Old things pass away, everything becomes new. To be holy as he is holy, 1 Peter 1, 16. To present my body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him which is my reasonable service, not fashioning myself to the world system, but being transformed, metamorphosed by the renewing of my mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Like a cocoon to a butterfly. New creature. You see, God chose you and me to be holy and blameless, but notice, in love. Now, some say the phrase in love goes with verse 4, which would mean we are to be found living in love. While others say it goes with verse 5, which would indicate the motive of God's predestination for us. But both are covered in Scripture, John 3.16 and 1 John 4.17 and many other places. I take it with 4. Now, love was the motive for God 
to make the plan of salvation. But love could not save man, for he's a holy God and man is sinful. We are not saved by love. We are saved by God's grace. That's why he finishes with the praise of the glory to his grace. I love my children, but if they're not in a right relationship with me, they cannot benefit from my love. It's not that my children get right back with me that my love can bless them. And so with God. He didn't save us by his love, but his love was the motive to make the plan. Love devised a plan that would meet the righteous requirements of God for atonement and redemption called the gospel of grace without violating God's holiness. God made his son to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Have you thought about how much the father suffered? You know you've been there with your children. They get some stitches and they're there being stitched up and you're there comforting next to them and you could wish you could take their pain. Well, the father abandoned the son. Think about that. For you and me, he wasn't next to his son. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You go down two verses because you are holy. Man, have you ever thought of what it cost the father to send the son? God revealed the gospel of grace. The God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but everlasting life. In John 3, 16. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, he said. He said of the transfiguration, he said of the baptism. Here's the language again, my beloved. In this way, God met the requirements of judging sin, atoning for sins, the sins of the world, and providing a way for sinful man to be reconciled with God. Amazing. What was his motive? Love. How did he do it? Through the gospel of grace. This is what Paul is so excited about that he's been called to in chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. The age of grace that was hidden in times past and now has been made known. And he's been called to be a minister of the gospel of grace. God loved us first. Therefore, we loved him. Our love is always in response. 1 John 4, 19 says. We always respond to God. He initiates. Love is a distinguishing mark of the church. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. You have love one for another. Love is the only thing that God honors as a motive for doing anything. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse through 3, he says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am nothing. If I give my body to be burned, if I give all my goods, I am nothing. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. God will judge us according to the motive of the heart. Not what I do, not how much I do, but why did I do it? Love is the only thing that never fails, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Now, you can put Jesus' name there, or you can put agape love, and you can go right through that list. It never fails. You put your name in there, you've stumbled right in the first one. I never fail when I yield to agape love. When I don't, I fail every time. Every time. And so Paul praises God the Father in his choice for blessing to be holy and blameless in love. New capacity, new provisions, what wealth. Notice thirdly, Paul praises God the Father for his chief end of the blessing. There's a goal. Here it is. Verse 5 first. God's predestined plan was to bring us to adoption as sons. God's predestined plan was to bring us to adoption as sons. Now, Notice, the process is described by the word predestined, which means 
to limit in advance, to mark out beforehand or foreordain, appearing only six times in the New Testament. You have it in Acts 4.23, Romans 8.29 and 30, 1 Corinthians 2.7, and in Ephesians 1.5 and 11. Some automatically reason that if God predestined some to eternal life, then God must have predestined some to be damned eternally. Never. That's a wrong assumption. And it's never found in the scriptures. If you end up in heaven, you will know that it's 100% God's doing. If you end up in hell, you will find out it's 100% your own doing. That you can be sure of. You are not going to find a group of people disgruntled in heaven when you get over there, and you're going to go over and say, what are you bummed out about, man? Oh, I wanted to go to hell. God forced me to come to heaven. And if you end up in hell and you find some there, and you have the same scenario there, and they say, well, you know, I want to go to heaven, but God damn me to hell. That's wrong. Not so. God desired that all men be saved, and he gave himself a ransom for all, 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 6. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, 2 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3. Election, predestination, and man's free will are all scriptural, but we cannot understand them how they work because we don't have foreknowledge and omniscience. Now notice the product of the process of predestination was that God predestines us to what? Adoption as sons by Christ. This was the goal. It wasn't just to tickle our fancy. It was to make us sons. The word for adoption appears only five times in the New Testament. Romans 8, 15, 23, 9, 4. Then in Galatians 4, 5, and right here, Ephesians 1.5. The word is an interesting word. It is made up of two Greek words. The first one, heos, means a son. And the second thesis means the placing of an individual. When you put the words together, it means the placing of a person as a son to whom it does not naturally belong. This was the legal binding word that was used in the Roman society for a man to be able to adopt one who was not his biological son or daughter and give them the place of a natural born son or even to replace their natural born sons as heir of his wealth. Whoa. Very unique word. That's why Jesus says that he came to bring us to the Father. He never said, call me father. As a matter of fact, he says, I call you friends, but I don't call you no more friends, but I call you brothers. No more servants, but friends and brothers. Interesting. This plan was possible by, notice again, by Jesus Christ. Here we come again to the common denominator of Ephesians, the synonymous term with in Christ, in whom, in him, by Christ, through Christ, for Christ. It's all Christ. He predestined us to adoption as sons. Notice, to himself. Who's himself? The Father. Hebrews 2.10 says, For it was fitting for him, Christ, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, to, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of the salvation perfect through suffering. He brought many sons and daughters into glory through his suffering. Prior to this, we were sons of what? Chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, sons of disobedience, children of wrath by nature. What a contrast. Look at your life before you were in Christ. 
Look at the things you were into. Look at the way you thought. Look what dominated your life. Look what you lived for. Look how you saw things. Look how you responded to things. Doesn't mean you don't have the capacities now, but at least you have control to bring that into your captivity. And you have a whole different perspective. And you're aware of God working in your life. Notice the purpose was to make us sons to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Whose will? The Father. The term good pleasure expresses the satisfaction and great joy of the Father in making us sons and daughters. He wasn't bummed out. It was great joy. The word will refers to the sovereign plan of God in making us adopted sons. Jesus said, continue, that he came to bring us to the Father. Listen to him as he says to Mary. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and my God and your God, John 20, 17. Jesus, in his glorified state, called him God still? And Father, yes, why? Because Jesus is up there making an intercession for you, not as God only. He's the man, Christ Jesus, intercession for you. He's in his glorified body as a man and God. Otherwise, we have no access to God. Keep that in mind. Jesus said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Now you have the two teachings there, John 6, 37. God draws you. And you choose, and he doesn't reject you. So you have both sides of it. Notice, secondly, in verse 6, God's predestined plan had a purpose. God always does things with a purpose in mind, a goal in mind. Here it is again. That men and women would praise the glory of his grace. Why? Because grace was the means by which he redeemed mankind. You're in awe of God. That's why I entitled the message, In Awe of God. Paul is wiped out. The Apostle Paul is saying that when people understand the attractive splendor of the plan of grace to save mankind, they will praise God for the grace of God. They won't be saying, I don't know why God saved that person. Oh, I wish you wouldn't. He's so rotten. Well, how'd you get saved? Grace. Oh. <laughs> See, you can't boast. It humbles all of us. I've told you often that God does all his fishing in the sewer, right? But his fish never stink. He cleans them. So don't get pie on us and tell us that you were a surface dweller in the sewer while we were bottom dwellers. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You're in it, man. Grace is synonymous with the gospel. Grace refers to the unmerited favor of God on sinful man to be saved in the name and the person of Jesus Christ's Son. Grace is knowing that you deserve judgment in hell. You understand grace? <laughs> but notice also that men and women would praise the glory of his grace due to the fact that they can have confidence knowing that God has made us acceptable, what? In the beloved. I don't have to waver in my salvation. I don't have to doubt if I'm forgiven. I don't have to question if I'm going to be gone when the Lord comes. Praise for his great sacrifice of his son. Thank you for sacrificing your son, Lord. Thank you, Father. Praise for the grace extended by the son, which no one can boast about. The beloved son is synonymous with grace. By the way, the spirit is called the spirit of grace in the New Testament. 
He's the comforter of Jesus Christ, one just like him. The praise is focused on the Father for making the way of salvation in these first six verses. Then it will be the Son in verse 7 through 12. Then it will be the Holy Spirit in verses 13 and 14. All three persons are involved in the salvation of man. The Father is the source. Jesus is the channel. And the Holy Spirit is the agent. The Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. God marked out the boundaries for my sonship even before I was in my mother's womb, as Jeremiah 1.5 says. Don't be sucked into the arguments of Calvinism and Arminianism, which are two terms given of men's names for the different poles. One saved, always saved, can you walk away? Predestination, free will. There are two extremes that will always result in division and heresy. Predestination and free will are both biblical. One does not cancel out the other. One does not contradict the other. They're complementary truths that can only be reconciled in the mind of God because He alone has the attribute of foreknowledge and every attribute to perfection. Rest in God's predestination. Rest in your choice. And enjoy the blessings of God as a son, as a daughter of God. Know one thing. God never has predestined anyone to go to hell. Men and women choose to go to hell. You may not be planning to go to hell, but that's where you're going if you don't know Jesus Christ. I am a joint heir with Christ. Are you? According to Paul in Romans 8, 17. If not, why not? Well, I haven't come. Why haven't you come? Well, I don't know if I'm predestined. Well, why don't you choose and find out you are? What if I'm not? Well, maybe you're not. Well, that's not fair. Well, then come. You see, you can't fault God. Paul says this in Romans 8, 31 to 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things, every blessing in heavenly places in Christ? If he sent the son to die for us while we were yet sinners, his enemy, how much more now that we're sons and daughters? Will he give us all things? God is and has been making many sons and daughters since Jesus came the first time and will continue to do so till he returns. Listen to Paul in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth the Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoptions of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth his Holy Spirit into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, in Aramaic. Therefore, you are no longer slaves but sons, and if sons, then heirs of God through Christ. The Holy Spirit in you confirms and affirms and witnesses to you that you are a son or a daughter of God. As you want to do something, the Holy Spirit says, eh, 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 eh. As you want to say something, he says, <clears throat> Every time God's saying, you're my son, what are you doing? What are you doing talking like that? What are you doing walking like that? What are you doing going there? You're my son. You know whether you're a son of God or not. Whether you're a daughter of God, I don't have to tell you. You and God know. Paul praises God the Father for his chief end of blessing to predestine us to adoption of sons. Man. Three simple things that Paul praises God for regarding the spiritual blessing for the believer. 
Paul praised God the Father as the source of all spiritual blessing. Paul praised God the Father in his choice for blessing, to be holy and blameless in love. And Paul praised God the Father in his chief end of the blessing, to predestine us to be adopted sons and daughters. Pastor Xavier Reese with three simple truths that lead to blessings for those who follow God. And today concludes Pastor Xavier's message in awe of God. And we can send you a copy on CD for only $4. And this will also include what we heard the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is In Awe of God, or simply mention today's date. And you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's important that you mention the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This way we can monitor this outreach in your area. How expansive is God's grace? Are there any sins He doesn't cover? Find out when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 